Flying. It's your attitude. The enemy's dangerous. But right now, you're worse than the enemy. You're dangerous and foolish. You may not like the guys flying with you. They may not like you. But whose side are you on? Episode 146 of the Cult of Matt and Mark, Cult Film Review Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Mark. And make sure to head over to the Facebook at the Cult of Matt and Mark and like us, or check out our blog at cultfilmreview.blogspot.com, or shoot us an email at cultfilmreview at gmail.com, and make sure to head over to Amazon and pick up uh, my novel, Nova Byzantium, out now, courtesy of Mask Books. Uh, show news, Mr. Hudson. Do we got any show news this week? Well, what are you drinking? I am drinking a bullet rye bourbon. I'm going a little cheaper tonight. My God, I'm drinking the same thing. Get the fuck out. Well, you were drinking it a while ago, so maybe was uh, it was just suggestion. Uh, mm. I don't remember from- drinking the bullet. I might have had a bottle of it, but I was at Costco yesterday, Yeah, and uh, I just felt like something a little sweeter. It's whiskey, but with the sweetness that... Uh, a rye whiskey. It, it's a rye, though. I mean, it has it's like fifty one percent rye, so technically it's not all bourbon, corn, bur- whiskey, sweet. So it's it's yeah. It's well, a little I mean, bit, compared uh, to scotch. Oh yeah, well, that's true. It's like uh, fucking cough that's, syrup compared. Yeah, good to scotch, but it sure goes down easy. You don't need to put any water in it. Yeah, no, it's good shit. Wow, that's that's amazing. It's like we're in the same room uh, here, <laughs> nipping off. Did the you hear from Costco as well? It was a very reasonable. No, uh, I, I sent the old lady out to mm. uh, the Fred Myers to pick me up a bottle. I was like, "Give me my, where's my bourbon?" <laughs> Daddy needs his drink. <laughs> well, I think it's that they use the new wood and they fresh. I think. I mean, I don't know what it is with Scotch. Whether I like to use old wood, but uh, I think there's something to be said about the the fresh oak. Yeah, the fresh oak. Yeah, I I don't quite understand bourbon making as well. Other than they do use the fresh oak, they use it once uh, to mellow it. They call that. I think that's actually the technical term is mellowing uh, the bourbon. And then they use the barrel one time, and then they ship that shit over to Scotland or Mm -hmm. wherever uh, as a used bourbon barrel for Scotch uh, aging. I mean, I mean. It's got to, but it doesn't sit in the caster very long. But it's got to be in there, otherwise you'd just be drinking moonshine, even if it's good moonshine. Oh yeah, right. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, the, the wood horrible. adds a lot of. I mean, the wood probably adds a fair amount of the sweetness. Well, yeah, I guess. It, and uh, it adds all the color and probably a lot of the more like more of the complex flavors. I'm not a big. Yeah. A lot of people like the white light, the lightning. I'm. I mean, it's it's okay. I guess. I, I guess I like that that wood infusion. That well, uh, that and having get. it. Having it in a barrel uh, reduces, I believe it reduces the alcohol content significantly. Like moonshine's really high. I don't know what it is, but uh, plus the charcoal traps uh, other. It actually pulls some uh, components out of, out. out of yeah that can make that changes the flavor. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, it's a coinky dink. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try to trip each other up next weekend. Oh, and uh, one other thing I did this week on Friday, yes. I went and took a uh, standardized test. The first one I took since I took one of those graduate school standardized tests you take. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The MCAT. Taking, no, like, that's the uh, medical one. What's the What's the main one for? What's the one you took before you went to graduate school? Oh, it was the uh, LSAT. Fuck. Uh, no, that- LSATs for lawyers, MCATs for doctors. I took the GRE, the graduate. Yeah, I, I took that too after I graduated. I got a pretty good score, though. You know, I'm not graduate school mature. I learned that a long time ago. Uh, but uh, I took I, I took the Compass test, which is the Ooh. test you take before you go in take courses at a community college. And oh, man. how was that? Did you, uh, you know, rock it's, it? It's hard? fine. It's like a high school test. You okay. know, like uh, it basically tests you up through trigonometry. Okay. And I realized I forgot all my trigonometry. I was what? There, what? You remember your trigonometry? Dude, like I use your, trigon- You use I it use all tri- the time. I use trigonometry like every single day. See, so. I was like, I couldn't remember, like, if I'm looking for the sine of theta, is, is, it, is it the far opposite side opposite over, over the hypotenuse okay i got that right but then okay. some things and then like the fuck are those fucking identities where you take like the tangent squared and shit i couldn't remember any of that oh man you just got to go back to <laughs> euler's equations which is e to the i theta that will uh that will draw out all your trig identities that's all you need oh well i can take pre-calculus again i, I placed there <laughs> at least i took uh well i to be fair i mean i i've i've had enough advanced mathematics that uh any, I guess, standardized test for anything other than mathematics graduate school, mm-hmm. I uh, I can kind of do in my sleep. So you remember uh, all did... those those fucking derivative charts? Well, you don't have to memorize that shit to yeah. to pass those tests. You just kind of have to have some sort of fundamental, you know. Yeah, I mean, I sort of bumbled through it, but my trig story was terrible, which which is fine because I didn't. Oh, that's all right, it. man. Before we uh, head to the movie, I, I did watch Interstellar. I went out and uh, me and the me and the misses caught uh, Interstellar last night. Uh, and uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I it was. Well, how, how did you like? I thought the um, uh, the uh, what's that four dimensional cube thing called? The Tesseract. I thought the Tesseract scene was pretty good. If, if really, fanciful. I thought the visualization oh. of it was pretty neat. Well, it just got I, I I was I was right on board uh right up to the conclusion of the Matt Damon scenes. I was like, Yeah, okay, all right, man. It's, it's like nice and plot thick. Uh a lot of, of uh sort of moral choices to be had, some sort of uh uh you know uh, ph- philosophizing going on. And then after that that concluded it just it it just went off the rails it it to me it, it was sort of a pale imitation of uh 2001 with a little bit too much hollywood cheese and over emotion it didn't make any sense i was just like okay and and f- the problem i have with those films is that the physics just just tears at me just 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 gets me, and I can't let it go. I cannot. Uh, it was better than Gravity. I'll say that. Oh God, Gravity. Gravity. Well, the thing is about about this one about Interstellar is it sort of is moored out on the edge. I mean, Gravity lives in low Earth orbit, which I think people got a pretty good handle on in general, right? 
Yeah, more or less. But the idea of these uh, wormholey things and, uh, you know, time dilation around uh, some sort of gentle black hole or whatever the hell yeah. that is. I, I guess yeah. there might, I guess there's somebody's theorized there might be a phenomenon like that. I don't yeah. know. Well, no, it made sense. I, I, I mean, the I thing just... is, it, it sounded pretty hokey to me, but then, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson, which I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of. He was going, wow, ah, it's really not that far off the base. Even though it sounded pretty funny to me. Well, other than that, you you pass the event horizon, and uh, you're done. And and time and space freezes forever until the end of the universe. And uh, well, I mean, does know. it do that for the observer, or does it just? Or does no, it just... the observer. Uh, Fuck! I think you just get uh, obliterated, annihilated. Uh, I, I thought uh, some guy talking like you could pass an event horizon yourself as long as the you know the, you weren't passing through too high energy material and you wouldn't really notice it until you oh, got no, man. deeper in. I think your your gooey, wet, fleshy body would uh, see so much. You'd be like instantly. It would be like Mars attacks when the Martians. Uh, hit you with one of those fucking death rays. Uh, you would be slammed full of so much radiation that your well, body yeah. would just evaporate into a, a million particulates. I, uh, I know what you're saying. I, I enjoyed the test rack presentation. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty neat. Uh, it was, see, oh, that, that was when I was like, oh, the thing, it's so I, I campy. Have, I have problems with more mon- mundane issues. Like, what's really wrong with the Earth? It doesn't yeah, seem like it's that, that bad, right? It's like I always think about your your saying that, or maybe you got it from somewhere else that the the no, best I, day it's on my Mars own. is better than the worst day on Earth. That's right. And yeah, I mean, I think so dire that you go live on an icy planet. I mean, I don't understand. You're not going to. There's something about crops are dying because of some sort of infectious disease. You're going to bring that to another planet. That's your solution to get rid of these infections. Could you just make a clean space somewhere or? I don't want to give too much of the film away, but there is a scene where they've managed to sort of hermetically create a uh, bucolic sort of pastoral life for themselves uh, mm-hmm. that I was like, why does that fucking thing need to be in space? Why can't you just put a dome on the earth? Yeah, it and, just, it, you save yourself a lot of trouble. You don't have and, to learn how to manipulate gravity at some fundamental level. That you, can't understand <laughs> you don't have now. to solve. Uh, the, you don't have to solve the marriage of quantum mechanics and gravity yeah. to uh, create sort of a, a white room, a clean room type of environment, and then fill it full of organics enough that you can get some shit to grow in it. I mean, my only thought was that maybe that um, once you master those technology, that technology of manipulating gravity you stop being an energy starved society and you can do basically whatever fucking shit you want because you have as much energy as you want yeah Um, but that was a problem and you know the other problem i had with it just from a nuts and bolts is they have to fucking use a full rocket to get off the earth but yeah, the super planets <laughs> yeah. that are uh, circling a, a black hole in some one with time uh, dilation the one with 1.3 times the amount of gravity. Yeah, they just take their ship and fly off. Yeah, does that does that not strike you as weird? Uh, the only thing I, I mean, could... they work so hard to get out of Earth's gravity. Well, I mean, it's it's like 20 minutes of the film them getting the fuck off of Earth. The only thing that I would at all give them credit for in that scene is that they wanted to save fuel to get to the the I guess the the 
deep space rig that they made it to. Because they were very fuel conscious throughout the movie, which is like, okay, that's a, I give it a little bit of credit. Like, well, we only have enough fuel to get to this planet, and mm-hmm. I, that was it. That's we only have enough fuel to land on two planets and take off of them. I know. Well, as much exposition as that movie barfed all over you, it could have just thrown a sentence or two out there to mop up a few plot holes. It didn't. It wouldn't have taken much. You know. One nice thing about the movie, though, it's nice to see a movie deal with time dilation. It is. Did you it, enjoy that? Well, I, I lamented the fact that Ridley Scott uh, was rumored to be making the Forever War by Joe. Yeah, did Haldeman. that fall through? And no, he went and did Prometheus instead, which uh, we all know and love. But he's so not going to well. do the. Fe- he's not going to do. The I film. hadn't heard anything more that's about too it because that's the best, probably the best science fiction I've seen of. Yeah, the Forever War. You read that. I think yeah, I yeah. need to read that. Yeah, yeah the Forever War is if, if if the kids are hungry for some uh, very accessible, I'd call it very accessible. Oh, man, it's it's an action. It's like a classic sci-fi action book, but with this great with this great usage of, of time time travel in a conventional Yeah, the sense. time dilation stuff is, uh, it gets to the point of the absurd, even though it makes complete scientific sense when you're reading it. Yeah, the author takes a real simple view to it. It's like, we just got really fucking fast ships that go like a half of the speed of light, and we yeah. just deal with it. <laughs> yeah, and we <laughs> just great. deal with it. Right? And, uh, That's what they do. They just fucking deal with it. Well, Look, and you're not going like to be back the... for 200 years. Tough shit. <laughs> you still only get paid for the time you are, you are you experience, which I think is a great practical uh, workaround that the state certainly would use for pay and issues. I like how they were on their way to a rendezvous with uh, in a battle, and they they the, the ship gets damaged on the way, uh-huh. and they go, "Oh fuck! Well, we got to turn around <laughs> uh, because by the time we actually get there." Or there's something about the technology of the aliens being too far advanced to fight them when they get there mm-hmm. now because mm-hmm. they're too slow or something like that. Anyway, it's a terrific movie. I wish our terrific book. I wish was made into a movie. And I guess watching Interstellar, I pined for for some visionary to go make that. Yeah, book well, honestly, Will film. Smith's attached to it. I'm good. Yeah, Will Smith totally. Uh, all right, let's get into the movie this week. Uh, can't hold back. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> the 1986. Oh, I would call it high concept, but there's not really high concept. It's just a cultural moment, I think, for in film. Uh, Top Gun, uh, directed by Tony Scott and starring uh, none other than Tom Cruise. Uh, plot rundown, if you want to call it a plot. I, I, I didn't. Oh, I think it has a pretty straightforward plot. Devil May Care Navy pilot Pete Mitchell, mm-hmm. who, uh, by the way, is Maverick. I never actually figured out his name until reading this synopsis. Yeah, I'm uh, just going to call them by their call signs. Yeah, just call them by their it's, call it's signs. Easier. That's, how they, that's how they're referred to at the end of the movie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Remember that scene where Pete Mitchell... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> so what was up with Pete? I mean, did <laughs> he really right. love uh, Charlotte or not? <laughs> that's right. Is sent to Miramar Naval Air Station for advanced training. Here he vies with Tom Kazansky, played by Val Kil- Kilmer, otherwise known as Iceman for the coveted This reviewer is referring to him by their given names. That's that's great. I know. When not so occupied, <laughs> Mitchell <laughs> carries what on. What is Goose's real name? Ah, fuck. We'll find out. I don't know what Goose's real. We'll figure it out. Uh, I, mean, I didn't. I only got Kazansky, Mitchell, and Scarlet something or other. 
Yeah, when not so occupied, Mitchell carries on romance with civilian consultant Charlotte Blackwood, oh, played Blackwood. by Kelly McGillis. Mm. Shaken up by the death of a friend, Mitchell loses the Top Gun honor to Kazansky. Word that he may never that he may have lost his nerve. Mitchell is given a chance to redeem himself during a tense international crisis involving a crippled U.S. vessel and a flock of predatory enemy planes. So, I really uh, enjoyed that. Uh, that. Uh, Short. What are, what are those things called? They're uh, movie reviews from um, oh, from the, on, uh, honest trailers. Oh yeah, I sent you the yeah, honest trailer. That was that was really good. <laughs> I watched it uh, this morning. I love I love how they they said and they start World War Three at the end. Yeah. That right. Yeah. 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 Creating an international incident of uh, some global proportion. And the way it was explained, it was that we had a disabled vehicle that was outside of international waters right wasn't that the, the explanation that our tech I some sort of did, radar vessel was stranded in russian territory or something right well it was in the indian ocean oh, so it was in the indian ocean. i think you're led to believe that in order to make it as uh what's the right word generic and non-specific as possible they said indian ocean migs of some unnamed country now they had red stars on the helmet is, is that oh, but right. they were white did, did was there yeah. red stars on or did they leave it up in the air like i think they anything. tried to leave it up in the air okay i i, I you know the red stars in the 80s just supposed to think rust the but they didn't use actual they didn't put like a hammer i, I don't know i wonder what their helmets look like I, I mean, the, the U.S. Air Force uses a white star. I don't see why. A uh, uh, white star other. with like a blue circle and then a banner behind it. Mm. So, mm. Uh, by the way, um, the Anthony Edwards character is Lieutenant fucking Nick something or other. Mm-hmm. I can't read it. It's like something. What is it? Nick? Oh, fuck. I can't read it. I don't know. Well, you know that, thinking about uh, Goose, you know. I did not realize that Meg Ryan was in this movie. I don't know. It's been years. and It's weird. Meg Ryan po- has popped up in her younger career in a couple of movies we see. I couldn't remember. I was trying to remember where we saw Meg Ryan playing like a, a small supporting role. But, you know, for all the wooden acting in this movie, especially from uh, Charlie. Yeah. I thought Meg Ryan's performance was really pretty damn good. Uh, not bad. You know what well, I like wish? When she breaks down or they're having fun in the bar. Well, she's in that many scenes. And when yeah. she breaks down at the end, I thought, compared to Tom Cruise, she was a master thespian out there. I thought it was one of the better performances. Why? Okay. For for size, for all the sizing that they had to do uh, oh, with you mean shots. All the stuff that, you mean with, I mean, how tall is Tom Cruise? Is he really 5'6 or something? He can't be that much of a midget, you know. But here's the thing. Uh, here, here's here's the thing that that is. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna couch it in in a little bit of realism. Uh, Tom Cruise is probably perfectly propor- proportioned to be a, a fighter pilot. He's five. All seven. the yeah, all the other people in the film are fucking mutant giants. To be piloting, uh, like, did you handle G's better if you got a smaller frame? I would guess. Well, you fit in cockpits better. Oh, everything. Yeah. Yeah. I I uh, I remember I went to a uh, sort of a they they rolled an F twenty two across the street for uh, uh, all of us uh, worker bees to to take a look at, mm-hmm. and uh, I walked around it, and uh, it's a cool looking plane, man. That F twenty two is uh, it's a starship. It's kind of neat. And uh, they had the test pilot kind of sitting behind the uh, 
the velvet ropes, you know, uh, mm-hmm. kind of answering questions and things and just sort of there to, for photo ops and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the test pilots now who test those sort of advanced uh, aircraft are retired Air Force. And it's weird when you're retired Air Force and you're a test pilot, uh, on your canopy is Mr. So-and-so. It's very strange. I always know a retired Air Force pilot because, they're, like, I would be Mr. Matthew Rivette. Uh, you would be Mr. Mark they, Hudson. That's weird because I always thought they referred to retired guys as retired lieutenant colonel, blah, 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 blah. They might sort of in the spiel, but mm-hmm. on the canopy, mm-hmm. it's always Mr. Mr. is usually spelled out. It's very strange. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't get it. It seems what like What do they be, put for a female fighter pilot uh, who's retired? Bitch, so and so. I don't know. <laughs> it probably hasn't come up. Well, it must be close yeah. to coming up. Well, I hold just it. Put, there must be. There's been plenty of female pilots. There must be. Yeah, there is female test pilots. So oh, it yeah. must have come up. No, I'm sure. I haven't seen it though. I I, I would assume it would refer to them as as Mrs. or maybe yeah. you know something of that nature. Anyway, the dude was. I mean, he was like Buzz Lightyear. He was as broad as he was tall, but he was a short little dude. And, uh, yeah, I mean, his chest was all puffed out. I mean, it's just like you imagined it. it he was, was pretty awesome looking. And so, anyway, but, yeah, I just wanted to point that out, that Tom Cruise is probably a perfectly proportioned individual uh, for uh, the cockpit, uh, despite the fact that all his his fellow actors were much taller than he was. I think Kelly McGillis is 5'10". Uh, so I don't know what Anthony Edwards is is a pretty tall dude too. So. Yeah, well, he's supposed to be taller. He's sort of tall and, and lanky and sort of dopey in this film. You know, I wonder. I wonder if you're talking about pilots. I wonder about astronauts. It seems like you'd want them small too, because then you wouldn't oh, have yeah. to lift as much mass. Yeah, it's it's it suits you to be a very small person uh, as a pilot or in an airplane. You know, I, uh, I watched a video on uh, YouTube the other day. You know the the. Uh, you know, the International Space Station, there was a woman there, and she had this super long hair. And I was just, and, and then her video was how she washes her hair, and it was a fucking pain in the ass. And there was water droplets flying all around, because oh, yeah. she, like, got her hair wet, but it was a pain in the ass to get it wet. And then she used, like, this brush-in, like, like leave-in shampoo that they use in the hospital to give you a shitty Ugh. shampoo job without having to wet your hair. It looked like such a pain in the ass. I just don't understand why she wouldn't just go short for the six months she's up in space. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I haven't a clue about that. Mm. Uh, I I remember uh, going to the Air, Air, Air Force Museum in Dayton, Ohio. If you're ever in Dayton, Ohio, uh, check out the Air Force Museum and mm. just keep on driving after that because there's really nothing else to see. <laughs> Stop then. by for an hour. Well, yeah, it's probably, right. probably, it's probably good three <laughs> When you're on your way to Cincinnati or you know another state. You know, Rapid stop, City? Stop. Right. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the X-15 I got to take a look at. And the X-15 is by far my favorite aircraft of all time. Um, It was like a Mach 6 uh, high altitude. So X-15, that means it's an experimental aircraft, right? It's not a production aircraft. Yeah, right. Is it it like the F-15 based on it? No, 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 not at all. It's just it was in the number that came up when they were testing it back in the early 60s. Oh, this is like the is this the one that broke the sound barrier? Oh, no, no, that was the X-1. That oh, was okay. the Chuck Yeager uh, plane. The X-15 was a B-52 dropped, uh, hypersonic, high-altitude. Uh, rocket. Uh, it was a rocket plane. Yeah. And it went up to 320,000 feet, which is 
uh, outer space or what they consider space. Uh, it's what all those rich assholes are trying to uh, get to with that fucking spaceship to that thing that broke apart over the oh Bahamas god is it, do you think that do you think that the i think do you think that's dead in the water now no no i, I no, well, you it's still just think, so you fucking still think dangerous. like uh kane west is gonna want to go up there oh, fuck that's a it's a great way to get rid of a-list douchebags it's a fucking awesome way to do it i'm all for it man if we can if we can clear the decks of all those pricks <laughs> i don't I know go, it's so expensive i mean i mean the thing is, how many of those trips do they have to get people up on there for? What What are they paying? Like, like two hundred grand, two hundred yeah. fucking grand for a couple yeah. minutes. Yeah, that's insane. So anyway, the X fifteen, I, I peeked around. I, I always had this impression that it was larger than life. It was this sort of a fabled mythological plane. Uh, went Mach six. I think the fastest. I was is a fucking crazy airplane. And I took a look at it, and I was shocked. And how fucking small it was. Like, I just looked into the cockpit, mm-hmm. and I got claustrophobia. I was like, Jesus Christ, they put a human being in this thing. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you're, if, you're, if you're a small kid, if you got short man syndrome, go be a fighter pilot. I think it's uh, really the best course of action for you. So, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- wow, we've spent like almost 15 minutes talking about Tom Cruise's size. On this film. Well, let's spend another fifteen talking about his teeth. He's got the weirdest <laughs> smile. Why? Why hasn't he had his teeth fixed? Well, he has fucked up teeth. Really? Have you never noticed his teeth? He's. Uh, I mean, he's got. He's a... got a normal like for like nineteen sixty. He's got a pretty good set of teeth. But have you ever noticed that every star looks like they're wearing fucking platinum white dentures now? You know what? I'm looking at his teeth right now. Is it? It looks like one of his teeth is perfect. One of his front top teeth is perfectly centered in his head yeah his his, his incisors incisors are shifted over like about three quarters of a tooth now it's fine it's not a problem you're just so used for a guy that's so concerned about his looks and stuff and every fucking celebrity out there just look at any newscaster they got these perfect like ghostly white teeth like they're some sort of sun bleached skull under their skin it's it's creepy as hell and now every time you see somebody with normal like sort of creamy yellow colored teeth that's the normal color for human teeth it fucking looks like they're a 10 pack a day smoker when they're sitting next Uh, to these people on tv it's disgusting i got no explanation for that other than uh vanity is king when you're in hollywood so that's why i'm I'm surprised he hasn't had like his teeth but i guess it's part of his charm maybe that's i was fine with me I just, you know, and you always wonder. <clears throat> look, look how Tom Cruise looks now. He looks almost fucking identical, doesn't he? <laughs> he looks pretty goddamn close he, to the same. He dude. looks, he looks, he looks almost <laughs> identical. And then look how different Meg Ryan looks. Oh shit, no, dude! Look at <laughs> Kelly McGillis. Holy oh god, shit! I didn't even, Kelly McGillis looks. Uh, Kelly McGillis looks like uh, your. Uh, high school home act teacher i mean she got she has mom hair she's a little jowled out i, I mean it's it's uh, it's crazy uh i mean yeah. she, i'm biting she my is, lip whoa holy smokes <laughs> so uh yeah it's very odd yeah she went uh, with the uh oh god what's that actress with the short hair um she sort of looks like her a bit now uh, uh from uh fish called wanda some uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, she's got the Jamie Lee Curtis haircut. Oh, okay. I thought you said they were they were an, you were going to say they were an item. 
You know, no, 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 no. I'm just saying the look. Okay. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know what it is with Tom Cruise. I don't know what he's taken. I don't know. But he, he, looks, man, he looks almost unchanged. That's what like, happens. That's what happens when you get the thetans out of your body. You just I, look like that. I really should go consider consider becoming a clear because I tell you, these thetans are driving me crazy. I know, man. They're making you ugly. <laughs> get, get them out. That's why, that's why I'm overweight. I got 100 pounds of thetans riding around me. Where's the, where's the nearest active volcano? Uh, I don't know, man. We're, we're, we're a stone's throw from them. You can go find one. I'll just go down to Rainier. I think it's active. There you go. All right, man. We, we need to, need to get into, I don't, I was I mean, like, what else, I mean, I mean, uh, well, okay. So change, change, let's talk about the sex scenes. No, no, no Well, <laughs> no but, nudity. Oh yeah, there is no not nudity. one nip in those sex scenes, but man, that was some passionate kissing. There's two very passionate kisses. There's the blue sex scene. That yeah, I didn't get yeah. to see Kelly McGinnis's nipple. I was very disappointed. I, I don't understand. You had to wait these, for the. You had to wait for Witness to get that. I think. Oh, she. Oh, that's right. She is in Witness. I don't understand sex scenes that have no nudity in them. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, even when all you see is like the man's like upper torso, sort of imitating some sort of thrust. Right. But the kisses were very passionate. They really got good. And the way back, there was a lot of tongue action in there. I was really impressed. I mean, this guy knew how to photograph tongues, but Kelly McGillis said maybe they were going for a PG 13 or something. I don't know what it was rated at. PG. It was rated at PG. So, yeah, that's why they, yeah. Because this was before, was this before 13? It must have been. Otherwise, they would have thrown a nip in there and a couple of fucks and called it a PG 13. I think so. Mm -hmm. I think you're correct. Yeah. Uh, Where was the other sex scene? There was none. There was a scene where they were kissing passionately again on the waterfront uh, later in the okay. movie. Okay. After a so, all right. So I, 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 the reason I wanted to review this movie. Well, I mean, it's it's because I guess I'm I'm confused about it, and mm. I I watched it, and it's not a bad movie. Like you, like I think no 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 out. not at all. I don't think I don't think it's uh, could probably could have cut fifteen minutes or so out of it. I think. It's stylistically, uh, I guess, uh, it's stylistically salient. It's, it's, uh, it's. I think a, it was sort of a product of of the MTV video game generation. Really? I mean, it had, oh yeah, it had a style to it that I think we take for granted now. But maybe so. Uh, I mean, it seemed, it didn't seem dated. I mean, I, we're talking about all the stuff that's not the, the absolutely excellent plain uh photography work that's in this right movie. you're talking well, about yeah. else right i mean it was like a lot of the shots were filmed almost exclusively at magic hour i noticed uh oh the plane uh, stuff and like well, the stuff on the just beach the, just right. the yeah the you know i guess the romantic bits the mushy bits you know had a lot of magic hour stuff going on uh and i wanted to i was watching this and i was like is this a style over substance film is this because okay for starters like what is the main theme or premise and you played a clip at the beginning that uh, i think was driving at the at least the character arc if you want to call well, that well it points out the fault in maverick i think that's when i do like i do like iceman quite a bit because he's um he's not a cardboard cutout rival for uh for maverick he's he's at least as flushed out as maverick is i mean the whole story is maverick's struggle to try to know his father 
who died when he was a child by taking up the mantle of the career of his father and somehow learning about him through living his life. He's trying to live his father's life in order to know him. And that's the movie. Yeah. That's about the crux of it, right? Well, I, mean, but that, I, guess, I mean, that's it. That's his whole motivation. But where does the uh, unsatisfied, uh, reckless component come in? You know what I mean? Because uh, like they wanted to use Judas Priest's "Reckless," I guess, for mm. part of the soundtrack. But they, why is he such a why is he such a uh, maverick? Well, <laughs> it's because he is his father, and his father was that. Well, how did his father die? He went down over Vietnam. Was that yeah, the gist? making a he was uh, I mean, uh, uh, Viper um, talks about it. It was a you know there was some sort of thing Vietnam. They were not in the right area. It ended up being classified. He made a valiant effort in a damaged plane to save a couple other pilots, but he never made it back to the ship. Yeah, because he okay. was he was a guy who you know worked flew by the seat of his pants and followed his emotion out there. Uh, Sort of like, I mean, he is his father. He's the reincarnation. I mean, it's the whole, it's the, you know, See, it's I never had the story. I, I, I never had the issue of, uh, you know, the, the, the George W. Bush issue with the uh, living in your father's giant shadow and trying to uh, overcome it. Well, I see, I think that <clears throat> we can't experience that because we didn't have these enormous fathers. No, my dad, like, uh, he cut classes in college and smoked weed and bowled. That's what he did. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, I think it's, you know, I think there's something, I think it's a different experience when your father is uh, a big figure. They have to. I know. It's weird. I know a lot of guys who uh, became PhDs in physics or in the case of Charlie, astrophysics. Which doesn't make any sense in the plot, but yeah, whatever. I, I know a guy at work who's an MD PhD, and he's super motivated, and he's lazy, basically the carbon copy of his father. That's in the that exact weird? same field. That is weird, man. I know a lot of I know a lot of people like that who I've met who, you know, uh, same field, like way specific. It wasn't yeah, like I, I became, they are in the same exact field. I became a PhD in art history while my dad was a PhD in uh, nuclear physics. It's nothing like that. It's mm. it's always like lockstep. You know, almost uh, I know dudes who've worked for the same company who have like worked under their father. I'm like, what the? I, well, I, in the military, there's a lot of stuff like that that goes on yeah, with these multi generational families, and I think it's really it's pretty important. I, I just don't think we can, since we didn't experience it. I think I it'd, be diffi- it'd be difficult for us to have the, the deep understanding. We could only sympathize with their plight. So I guess that's, uh, but that's a very small uh, <laughs> number of people. Sli- slice of the uh, viewing public who would get a lot yeah, out of that. Maybe, but I mean, it's such a, it's such a classic issue in, in the strife of characters that, I mean, it, it's not like it's a great mystery for anybody watching Top Gun. That uh, Maverick's got some issues with his dad, right? I uh, know that's, that's not that's something, you're, not something you're going to watch the movie and miss. I mean, maybe <laughs> maybe some people would. I just wonder if there's some uh, son out there who watches Top Gun as his favorite movie uh-huh. because he relates to the Maverick uh, character so I, well because of the father son dynamic. I don't see know? why. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't see how that wouldn't be the case, and I don't see how. 
you could probably you could possibly maybe deride somebody for holding that opinion if they do live under the shadow of their father or maybe a, a sibling. I know it would just be it would just surprise me if if it was such a cult film for like you know a small portion of overachievers in our society. Uh, you know, I guess, for I mean, what what that's not why this is a cult movie. Obviously, no. that would be funny though if uh, if that was the only reason. I mean, it's a cult movie because it's got some great it's got some great fucking pictures of. Tomcats zooping through the air, right? Well, and 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 so I remember when this movie came out. I was in junior high, and I think every other jock uh, that was their they were going to become a fighter pilot after watching Top Gun, or beach uh, volleyball professional, or or uh, uh, maybe uh, somebody with uh, ambiguous sexuality. Look, uh, whatever's going to happen, they're going to end up playing player. with the boys. Play, you know that scene. I <laughs> Okay, I had some mechanical issues with that scene besides the uh, homoerotic overtones. It's true. Goose does not have very good form. Everybody else is playing pretty good game of volleyball. Okay, Goose is pretty sloppy. So I, I was, I was, I was like, okay, I know they had athletic wear back in the eighties, right? I mean, that was kind of the, you know, that was sort of the, uh, uh, I think the uh, aerobic era, uh, you know, where 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 that stuff all came into fashion. You know, like, uh, was it Pat Benatar that I mean, wore the look, leggings all, and shit all, all the time? We all would have liked to see Iceman in a pair of leotards, if that's where you're well, going. I with. was just like, okay, why? Okay, there's three uh, shirtless dudes, which mm-hmm. beach volleyball, cool, Southern California, yeah. get it, wearing fucking blue jeans, not the greatest athletic wear. Did everybody have blue jeans on? I know I know that. Uh, oh, somebody Maverick had like maybe. Did. Okay, somebody had, Maverick somebody did. had a pair of board shorts on. Well, how come the dude with the shirt on, who has obviously made might have had some body issues, Anthony Goose? Edwards. Well, he wasn't all ripped like those guys. He was just had a but, regular body. But he was the only guy that wore shorts. I was like, why weren't they all wearing shorts? And then, just well, he would have overheated with the shirt. I mean, he it was a cut off <laughs> arm, cut off sweatshirt. It wasn't like a tee or anything. He was wearing. I just didn't get it. And then, the, and then, and then the creepiest part was that everybody watching was dudes. That seemed to. I, I understand it was sort of like a, you know, a pickup game after a hard day of flying the Tomcats. You know, you are gonna go blow off some steam on the volleyball court. I mean, you've gone down to parks. I mean, they they do the same fucking thing down at Green Lake Park. I mean, yeah, it's, but is it all dudes? They, they play serious. I mean, they play co-ed too, but there's serious games going on. It's not a guys dicking around. It's guys I wanting know. to win. They played in high school and stuff. I know that's me not taking athletics seriously. I just. Uh, I mean, that's another thing that maybe we can identify with these characters. I know. I have some identity problems, other than my uh, exposure to uh, military hardware. I, 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 there's some of this stuff that's, uh, uh, I guess, uh, that and being a, a pussy hound. I, I <laughs> having the come online in the bars, you know, the uh, duet that uh, was it? No, the 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 the, the singing bit. In the bar, where uh, yeah, he's trying to pick up uh, Charlie. That's pretty effective. I think I think a lot you of think chicks so? would fall for that. Really? Yeah. God, it seems really cool. Well, dude, me. man, you're like a you know you're 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 a, you're a fighter pilot in uniform. It probably doesn't take much. No, uh, probably, chicks fall probably, for that. Probably uh, you're great shape. You're 22, 24. I think I think it'd be all right. I think you do. I think I think, I think you you'd, I right. think you'd pull just fine without this having to have a song and dance routine worked up. Yeah, this is another realm that I don't have any uh, uh, 
anything in common with being uh, an attractive man in a bar. And, well, you uh, know, maybe we should start trying it out. <laughs> you and I can do. Our, our partners would understand. We're just trying to re- relive something we missed in our twenties. <laughs> we're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go see if we can pull pull some yeah, strings. Yeah, and you know, the chicks would say, "I think the Coast Guard cutter left left you guys on shore." We'll get some dress whites. <laughs> we're gonna get looking sharp. <laughs> <laughs> we probably do well in the gay bars. We like, oh, you, you guys are the village people. That's uh, uh, I don't think so, man. Uh, anyway, uh, all right. So there's a lot of things maybe you and I can't relate to in Top Gun from a male perspective, which uh, uh, I guess is the crux of the plot. Okay, well, I think the, you're trying. You're trying to get at something. And you're I sure, am. I'm not man. sure. I'm, I'm not sure get, what you want to get at. The, What's the fault with this movie? And I guess we haven't really... I haven't seen that big fault. Uh, the, uh, is it yeah. the homoerotic jokes that no, are PC anymore? No, that's just... Is that, no, does that offend you as a modern no, man? No. It's just funny. It's just funny. I mean, like, the, I mean that, that, is, that is pretty funny. I, I do like the homoerotic <laughs> jokes. I mean, it's not... BC any longer, but we're like our grandparents when they used to tell racist jokes, or when my grandmother referred to uh, black people as colors. <laughs> right. right, that's how we sound now talking about these gay jokes. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. It's, it's like South Park humor at a certain level. I don't, I don't, you know. Uh, so what is it? What is it that rubs you the wrong way? Is it some of the wooden, wooden acting? No, the acting's fine. I, is it I, Michael I, Ironsides? You're, oh, you're dude, bad no, that Ironsides he's not missing awesome. his left arm? <laughs> yeah, I was hoping. Was that guy going to lose his fucking left arm? Did that, oh, did they my cut God. It out? Oh, I wish. I wish, like, uh, he popped out of the cockpit of that A4 and he was, like, missing an appendage. He's like, oh, I got blown off and I projected <laughs> out of Vietnam. It's like, oh, my God, that would be perfect. Uh, he's, uh, he's flying with a hook. Fucking Ironsides, <laughs> like missing an appendage in almost every movie that he starred in for a decade. Uh, I always you know. like Ironsides. I mean, well, I, apparently, I liked him. a bit of trivia, he was the only, when they were doing shots or scenes on the aircraft carrier, uh-huh. he, he was the only uh, cast member who was actually mistaken for an officer. Uh, people would would accidentally salute him as he would walk through the aircraft carrier. <laughs> he looks like he looks like an officer. I mean, he looks like like a like a well, not. I was thinking more like a uh, non-commission, like a staff sergeant. Or just uh, well, Irons. He just he just has that fucking stoic, badass demeanor. He just looks like he could fuck you up. And every movie he's been in, he's never, he's never. Uh, he's there's no levity to Michael Ironsides. In any uh, of um, God, I saw, he was on a podcast I listened to recently. Oh, really? He's been. He's like says like here later in his career, he's really trying to move away from that type of character just for, just because, just for some excitement. He work. doesn't really have to work. No, no, okay. it's not that. Uh, what was he saying? He had a pretty funny line. It's like, uh, he says he got typecast as a guy that would like push the grandmother off the roof or something. And they said, well, you know, I can also shoot guys. And they go, no, 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 no. We'll get a guy who shoots guys for that role. Like, you keep pushing grandmothers off the roof. I thought it was a pretty neat little thing about how he how he felt about being typecast as, as the tough guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. A few other actors, Tom Skerritt. Uh, that was it. The 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 knockoff Lil Rent Burt Reynolds as uh, 
Uh, I always, I've always liked Scarrett. I, he's I, fine. I, I, uh, I, he's, he's better than Burt Reynolds. Jesus. No, I know. Well, I found it interesting and in, in that <laughs> when he's sitting there uh, giving Maverick his spiel, uh, he's staring out through the, the Venetian blinds. Like there's some sort of a movie trope when you're really serious about something you, you and you're lecturing another uh, person in a film that you have to look out through the Venetian blinds at the setting sun or something like that. Well, this would really be good if one of us had went to film school. I mean, it's just, it's just go back to like old, like German cinema and things like that, where you like could, these sort of cl- these classic sh- arrangements of shots and framing were figured out. I you could probably, st- for it. yeah, you could probably stitch together a montage of people looking out windows, delivering heavy lines. It, it, it's it seems like it's a thing, you know, and uh, done here, I guess, to effect <laughs> to a certain degree. <laughs> but uh, it's something I was like, oh yeah, look at him. You gotta you gotta look out the window to say some heavy shit, you know. So I enjoyed it. I, I thought I, th- I don't know. I thought I thought it was effective. Uh, by the way, did you know Tim Robbins was Merlin? <laughs> I didn't think that you know Tim Robbins was in this that, movie. What? <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking at the cast. Merlin list. was Tim, Tim Robbins. Merlin. I don't know if that's a joke or not. Yeah. I can't. I, well, I, who's who is Tim? You mean Tim Robbins? Who is Tim? Tim Robbins. Robbins. Tim Robbins, man. Uh, you mean Tom Robbins? Tim oh, that's Robbins. Guy, that's from, the that's the writer, Tom Robbins. Wait a minute. Am I thinking of the right Tim Robbins? I'm thinking of yeah, Tim Robbins, Shawshank Redemption. Tim Robbins. What? Yes, oh, okay. just apparently, on, gonna... into, apparently uh, Merlin, Top Gun. I'm looking <laughs> at it, man. He was Merlin. That is so Merlin. weird. Yeah, that, I, I guess you're <laughs> just, right. That's, that is really it. strange. I did not recognize him. It's weird when these actors, these younger act, when they're younger. Uh, yeah, wow, he was she, Merlin. So Merlin's the guy who was the the co-pilot for Cougar. Um, Cougar, and then it's who. Uh, Cruz, I mean Maverick gets uh, becomes Maverick second when he goes oh, back not to sundown, the same ship. But but Merlin, right? Yeah, so, was sundown the black guy that was with him just for briefly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because well, everybody knows the black guy. I did not There's recognize that it was Tim Robbins. That's crazy. <laughs> and I love a Tim Robbins cameo too, because uh, I'm thinking of a few classic ones like uh, uh, there's the great one in uh, 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 Ron Burgundy. You know, he's the PBS Street Fighter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, then there's the 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 scene in uh, High Fidelity, or the scenes in High Fidelity, where he's the uh, um, ponytailed boyfriend of uh, his ex. Oh God, yeah, that that is really funny. God, that is crazy. I just did not recognize him. That I'm whole looking time. at pic- he's in there quite a bit, especially there near the end. I, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking, looking at, at him actually- now, and I and I can see it. I'm looking at pictures I, I had to actually – I actually had to go to uh, the image, Google image right now, and look at actual pictures of Tim Robbins in the background of a few But it looks just like him. I don't, I don't understand why I didn't notice it at the time. Well, you he know, I got, the, a, I got has, a little – I'll be honest with you. I got a little burnt out during that last fight scene. I started spacing out. You have to have the redemption scene, right? You can't just have Maverick get second place and wander off into the sunset with all his uh, uh, baggage left hanging, right? You know? So you have to. Yeah, I guess. It would have been an interesting film for them to do that. Uh, It would have. It would have been a more realistic film 
you know. And then uh, he shows up in Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C., to pursue Charlie, and she's, uh, you know, banging some fucking Pentagon official or something, and he makes a scene, you know. <laughs> I thought maybe he'd go try to marry Meg Ryan's character and, and, and oh. take, the, take the place of... Uh... Fucking uh, goose. Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting? Oh, that would be that would be a good time. Like, he died, too. but I'm gonna I'm gonna raise you and your kids. Oh man. Yeah. That would be that would be some like Greek that'd be, shit. That'd be pretty crazy. Greek huh? tragedy shit mm-hmm. going on, right? Mm-hmm. Old world crap going on. Yeah, there. like you know, uh, I take care of your your you know, brothers your brother's keeper or whatever. I don't know, yeah. He needs yeah, a father figure. So- that sounds that sounds like yeah, that sounds uh I don't know. Very, think, uh, yeah, th- Greek th- tragedy. I think that would look. Plus, Meg Ryan was cute as a button. No kidding. She was fucking hot for a long time. I don't know when mm-hmm. she started falling off the. Uh, uh, no, it's when she started doing the. I mean, when, well, the thing is, what are you going to do? You know, either you're going to go Kelly McGillis and people are going to yeah. give you a hard time Date about looking like an older woman. Or you're gonna try to, and it works for some women. You're gonna try to keep that youth by having some procedures, but it backfires, and it, you know, backfired on Meg Ryan. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a hell of a choice to have to make, especially when you're in the business. I, I don't. Uh, she was uh, married to Dennis Quaid too, I think, for uh, a significant. They had kids, I think. I don't, I don't remember the whole life story there, but yeah. I mean, I, I I don't think you're. I mean, some people give her a hard time about her plastic surgery, and, and you know the mouth looks a little weird, but otherwise, I think she looks all right. Uh, agreed. Yeah, I I wouldn't kick her out of bed even now. <laughs> oh, that's very nice of you. Uh, so uh, let's see. Uh, I don't. I was trying to. I was. I mean, I think like it would have been really easy to make fun of Top Gun for an hour. Uh, I really? think. I mean, could. well, I mean, but what? I guess it, let me try to think of what is like some of the worst stuff. I mean, the, the campy the, dialogue, the, the romance, some... the romance between Charlie and Maverick is stupid. Oh, it's stupid and stale, but it's a huge component of the film. Yeah, it's why chicks went uh, saw the some, film. There's some pretty boring. You think so? I mean, I well, guess I, okay. That no, I, okay. So I, I, I have a, I have a, I have a cousin, and his wife apparently was into Top Gun because, uh, you know, the Facebook auditing that you do of your family members. Uh, like she went to San Diego and went and found the house on the beach uh, where that character lived and took pictures of it. So she huh. was obviously into the movie enough uh, as a kid to, you know, go uh, uh, find the, 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 you know, the, 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 the set scenes of the film, which mm-hmm. I've done with movies quite a bit uh, myself. And I'm like, oh, hey, this is where this was filmed. And then I drive up and I go, oh, there it is. And then I drive away and I go, that was cool. Uh, but, uh, so it, obviously the romance element, uh, was in the wheelhouse of, of junior high girls at some point when saw this film. I don't really know why. Maybe it's a Disney-esque to a certain extent, but, uh, you know, uh, she was a competent woman. She was a astrophysicist, which again, doesn't make any sense when you're, uh, instructing, uh, close com aerial combat. Uh, fighter pilots, but yeah, can't hurt, I guess. Anyway, so I don't know. It had something for the ladies <laughs> in the film. I can't figure out what, but again, uh, uh, I know a ton of chicks who love Love Actually, and I think that movie's garbage. So we'll have to do it to find out. I've never seen. No, no, don't don't make me do it. I don't <laughs> want to do it. Please don't make me do it. And the music was great. Oh, well, let's get into the music. 
I, I, I think as a kid, I was tortured with Loggins and Messina by my parents. My dad was kind of a big soft rock guy. Mm. Like we listened to a lot of that like shitty soft rock. I remember when I was a kid, like Loggins, Loggins and Messina and Firefall. And did you, did you get any Lover Boy in there? Oh no, man! That was that. They they were way beyond. That was too new for them. I think the the, the latest they got album wise when they were still listening to music and buying albums was Little River Band and Christopher Cross. And I remember those albums got played to absolute death when I was a child. Yeah, Chris was, Cross. They were big for a while. No, Christopher Cross. <laughs> well, if anybody funny. anybody gets this movie on DVD, there's some pretty awesome music videos on it. Uh, the Berlin song, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. The the Kenny Loggins fucking danger zone is... is... <laughs> <sighs> who is Steve Stevens? Steve Stevens? Yeah, who he is ha- that? He's He has like a he outfit on. He looks like a fucking crazy man. He must be Wait, famous for something. Who's Steve Stevens? Steve Stevens was in the video? Uh, for the theme. There was a video for the theme... Of uh, it's a do new 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 new. That was Steve Stevens, huh? That's the guy on the guitar doing that. Steve Stevens, uh, as far as I can recall, is was Billy Idol's guitarist. Oh, okay. So I don't know if he he was a Generation X guitarist with Billy Idol's old band, uh, but he was sort of these one of these Gen X. He was born in fifty nine. No, no, no. Billy Idol's original band oh gen x was gen x (laughs) which yeah i guess if you were you were coining the term gen x you Uh by default couldn't be a gen x anyways if you ever if you get a chance to watch the video he's got this incredible one white one piece jumpsuit on and some crazy hair yeah he's had crazy hair i I, or (laughs) that was his hallmark I think yeah. if you go to the Emerald Queen Casino and check out a Billy Idol show these days, you might yeah. still find Steve Stevens there in the lineup. So. I, you know, that's that's some great staying power, man. It is, yeah. Uh, much better than Kenny Loggins, by the way. Who? Yeah, uh, what happened to Ken Loggins? Did he die from like fuck. a? I was. I always guess. I. I mean, when I was watching him, this guy. This guy d- died of a cocaine overdose. I guarantee it. No, man, he was too milk toast to die of a. He, he's like oh, he really? probably have. He probably would have been more likely to Kurt Cameron it and become like a born again dude and you know uh, forsake his rock and roll ways and uh, all that than uh, you know go out that way. I, I got to. Oh I gotta my god, he was born in Everett, Washington. <laughs> I'm on his Wikipedia page right now. Can you believe that? No, I think I knew that. I think I really? knew that somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't remember when, but uh, I, I knew that. But yeah, somehow I knew uh, that he was born in Everett uh, huh. for some reason. Weird. So what is okay? Recent years, uh, he had some stuff. He just kind of petered out. He had some uh, Loggins and Messina reunion tour. God help us, fucking horrible shit. And uh, you know. Uh, he appears in the Grand Theft Auto Five video game playing himself. Oh, really? That's funny. yeah. So uh, you know, uh, I guess he's keeping it together. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the '80s were his era. That's uh, he had Top Gun, and then he had uh, Caddyshack. Uh, you know, so he was riding high back then. I think he fit a uh, Footloose. Don't forget Footloose. Oh, really? That's him? Huh. Yeah, huh. yeah. 
So I don't know. He had his time in his place, but Loggins and Messina was torturous. <laughs> I, uh, I, torturous shitty. I've only would have heard him on the radio. I've never listened to an album. Oh man. Uh, uh, just, I'm getting, uh, I'm going to have to torture myself with some YouTube videos of Loggins and Messina just to, just to, you know, I, I do that from time to time with nostalgia music that my parents listen to. It's like, how bad was that shit that they were listening to mm-hmm. back in the early eighties? And, and I'll fire. Get your wife's opinion on the matter. Oh no. She, 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 she knows it's shit too, but I no, I have to torture myself. So I like uh, made myself listen to, uh, Little River Band's Greatest Hits one morning on YouTube. I was like, what is that? What's that stuff sound like? And then I was like, oh, oh, oh this song is awful. <laughs> I, I was, I remember I was at a, oh, kind of a hipster bar down in Seattle, uh, the Rob Roy one night, and they spin like old vinyl there on Tuesdays or some shit. And so it's a bunch of hipsters in there putting on the records, and somebody threw on fucking Little, Little River Band, and I just, I just pissed and moaned. I almost got kicked out of the joint. I was bitching so much about it. Like, this is great shit, man. I was like, you guys are too young. You think this is good shit? You're not in the window. You're not in the window to realize that 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 old pop music is really fucking terrible because you didn't have to live through it. You know, it's just something your old your parents dug up. Uh, oh, yeah, no, it's not good. Anyway, but. Uh, all right, that's about all I have for that rant. Anything more on the music, sir? No, no, I just wanted to mention it. I think it's an, <laughs> an important... I mean, it's not the most... I think it's for an 80s movie. It's pretty solid. Uh, well, it's... Yeah, no, it worked well. Well, music yeah. had to be kind of a big portion of it because that was... that was It was part of the... You know, it was very MTV-esque, this film. Mm. And that's the audience it drew. And so it relied on on music quite a bit because all the videos that came out had little bits and pieces of Top Gun in it, uh, you know, like the Berlin song, like the the romantic scenes. You haven't uh, talked about Loverboy enough. Loverboy was in this. Yeah. Fuck. Well, what, what song did they do? Oh, uh, they did um, "Heaven in Your Eyes." Ah, oh, Jesus! I don't even remember that. What part of the film was it in? Oh God, I think it was one of the romance sections. That and uh, "Take My Breath Away" were mixed in the romance, which actually, I guess, it was quite a bit of the movie. Oh, okay, all right. I didn't pick it up. I usually know my Lover Boy too. I'm surprised. <laughs> I don't know anything about Lover Boy, but I watched their video and they, they fucking look ridiculous. <laughs> They're working for the weekend, man. Is that that is working for the weekend, Lover Boy? I think it is. Oh, God. God, is it? Oh, man, this is bad. Now we're going down the nostalgia highway that That's all right. We don't, to we don't need to. We can, we can take the, the next exit, which is... Ebert reviewed Top Gun in uh, 1986 on May 16th, giving it... Two and a half stars. And this is one of those movie reviews. This is a, an exceptionally well-written review from Ebert. I think one of the better examples we've seen. And, here, here. Um, I'm surprised. Well, I guess maybe I'm not that surprised that it's two and a half stars. But it seems like he could have gone three with it. Uh, let me see here. Um, he says his movie has obligatory ingredients uh, that you find in movies about young pilots. A girl, which I thought was pretty poor. Uh, the mystery yeah. of the heroic father, which I, I thought was pretty decent. 
and the rivalry with another pilot. And, that, and I think that's very good just because I like Val Kilmer's portrayal of what could have been an incredibly vapid character. And maybe he is. Um, he says, The simplest way to sum up the movie is to declare that air scenes brilliant and the uh, earthbound scenes grimly predictable. He says, This is a movie that comes in two parts. It knows exactly what to do with special effects, which is true. Um, but it has no clue as to how people in love might act or talk and think. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes on to yeah. compliment the first part of that. He says, the aerial scenes always, he says, aerial scenes in general always present a special challenge to movie making. Uh, and it, it is a remarkable achievement in Tom Gunn that it presents seven or eight aerial encounters that are so well choreographed that we can actually follow them most of the time. I would say that the last one gets a little confused. Yeah, um, it's a little bit uh, uh, scattered. But I think it's because they're really reaching for it. There's more planes, more action, more more things happen. And the movie uh, gives us a good secondhand sense of what it might be like to be in a dogfight. I, I think that's pretty, I think that's a pretty impressive achievement in filmmaking that aerial stuff in this movie. Um, but he says, um, he says, yeah, it's exciting, but the love story between Cruz and McGillis is a washout. It's, <laughs> which I like how he uses the term washout. There. That's good writing. Um, it's pale uh, compared to the chemistry between Cruz and De Mornay in Risky Business or between McGillis and Ford in, in Witness. Right, because both of because there was some yeah, both some, of these characters could have some a, boobs being shown. Well, that in makes both a big difference. So, man, Rebecca De Mornay and Risky Business, holy shit, holy <laughs> shit, holy shit, that is just burned in my brain somewhere. The picture of her sitting there with the wind blowing and her top <sighs> off—that is obs- oh, absurdly man. hot. Um, he says when they finally get physical, they they look like the stars of one of those sexy perfume ads. There's no flesh and blood here, which is remarkable, uh, giving uh, McGillis's presence in witness. So they did, a, they did, a, I guess, a test screening without the love scene. Mm-hmm. It was never in there, and the audience thought the movie sucked because of it. And so they actually did a post film of that love uh, scene. What do they call post production of that? They, they yeah. actually got both the actors back. I guess Kelly McGillis had dyed her hair for a new role. And that's why they used that's the blue. Why they shot it in that blue light. Yeah. Oh, and so. uh, you know they probably couldn't get her to sign away for. A, well, although they were going for PG, yeah. it's a real shame there's no nudity in that. Um, to sum it up, he says, "Movie is like Top Guns." I think this really, I think this does really sum it up really well. Movies like Top Gun are hard to review because the good parts are so good and the bad parts are so relentless. He says the dogfights. Uh, summing up, the dogfights are absolutely the best since Clint Eastwood's electrifying scenes in. Firefox. God, oh, Firefox is a good movie, man. Isn't that where it's about an experimental aircraft? Did, that, well, he, he Clint sneaks Eastwood into has... Russia and steals an aircraft? Yeah. Oh, with, with the air yeah. scenes in that? Man, we should visit that. I remember They're I remember enjoying the... the, uh, the uh, I remember really enjoying the cloak and dagger business about him getting in behind the Iron Curtain. Right, that was good, too. I don't remember the aerial scenes being particularly... Uh, moving but I, I they were just they were just i don't know i mean they, they kept you what well, was it was all uh the idea was is that if you f- he was flying uh low altitude so uh oh, if yeah, like the b1 the bomber does uh what do they call it ground has ground following radar 
So you'll be sitting in the in the B one B and it's going Mach two or some crazy shit like that, and it's flying like five hundred feet off of the ground. Uh, that sounds like and, a bad idea. Uh, it was. It crashed a few times, <laughs> but I guess uh, riding. I've heard secondhand stories about uh, pilots, or at least yes, the navigators riding in the back of the B one B when it's in ground following mode. Mm-hmm. And and I, I guess it's just like you're getting hit with a sledgehammer all the time. Yeah, like because going up and down, up and down, up and down. Wow. Yeah, you're you're, you're constantly just. I mean, it's totally jarring. And uh, I had heard a story about one of the navigators, and they have like a little porthole that they can look out the side of the window, side of the uh, like you know, like we're used to seeing on commercial airliners, you know, the big window that you can slide up and down. But they have a small one mm-hmm. uh, in the back of the plane when they're not looking out the forward. Uh, I've never heard those uh, 747 windows called big. No, but they're really small on the B-1B. Mm-hmm. And the navigator, he would look out and he would see trees <laughs> because they're flying so low. And he, he couldn't look at it because he would just get kind of sick to his stomach yeah, thinking about it. God. So the idea with Firefox is that they would that the, 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 he was trying to fly out of Russia below radar. Mm-hmm. So all the aerial scenes, if you want to call them that, are... Uh, performed, although it was wasn't. I don't know how they. It seemed it, like I, it when I remember. A, I remember the plane looked sort of stupid, especially the cockpit. Yeah, it kind of looked a little looked, silly. And uh, and I remember all the scenes were oh they flew like a regular plane and ran it three times as fast. Yeah, but it was it was fun. It worked, mm-hmm. it, and they so they would fly out. The, you know, they would put the camera in the front of a plane, and they would fly through mountain ranges. And uh, they did a lot of model work on top of it, but it, it kind of gave you that exhilaration. I, I thought it was. Decent. I'd be okay in v- visiting the film. I just um, that's I just think it's an interesting thing for him to mention. Well, there yeah. you go. That's uh, his review. I think it's a uh, I think it's a pretty cracking review from uh, Ebert. Yeah, yeah. Well, I liked how he mentioned the 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 dying art of dogfighting uh, because that's aerial dogfighting because. Uh, that's sort of what it is. It's dead, I, I don't it? know. How, well, I don't know how Top if if the Top Gun school even exists in San Diego actually exists. I mean, how anymore. long ago did they retire the Tomcats? What did they even fly off aircraft? Uh, anymore? They flew the Tomcat, I think, into the early two thousands. I, I read about it. It had a total of four kills under the U.S. Navy. Wow, air to air, air to air. Yeah, and that was Libya in the eighties. <laughs> uh, actually, most of the Tomcats air to air. Uh, successes were were uh, performed by the country of Iran. Yeah. <laughs> great. Iran bought a bunch of F-14s right before the Shah fell. Mm. And so they had, that was going to be their uh, air dominance vehicle or airplane. And then after the Islamic Republic came to power, uh, they got into the war with Iraq and they did a lot of cannibalization. Uh, but they blew a lot of uh, Iraqi MiGs out of the sky. Uh, back in the day, back in the 80s with the Tomcat. Uh, and I believe that the whole I- Iran-Contra uh, scandal, where we were selling arms to Iran to pay for the Contras in Central America, part of that arms shipment was, uh, I believe, uh, missiles for the Tomcats, hmm. allegedly. Hmm. So. Hmm. Uh, anyway, but uh, which doesn't make much sense because we were funding Iraq at the time to fight Iran. And anyway, 
but uh, uh, anyway, you can ask. All it seems it seems really complicated. The whole um, articulated wing business. Uh, well, the the articulated wing it was done for uh, range, yeah. and speed. Uh, so if if you have the wing, I guess in the um, what would you call it the the, the slow configuration, mm-hmm. you can get a plane out to considerable amount of range, uh, and then when you need it to do its, uh, you know, to go supersonic, then the wing cants back, and then you got the tactical capability mm-hmm. that you need for a fighter plane so it's actually a pretty effective but design they don't but they don't dogfight supersonic right that's all subsonic work uh you can dogfight maybe... supersonic depending on what you consider consider dogfighting yeah. uh, the problem with dogfighting now i mean there's scenes in here where they were saying uh you know like the a4s were the stand-in migs mm-hmm. for the for the for the the, the the i guess the scenarios and they would be like, okay, well, we got a couple of A4s two miles out. And they would first notice them mm-hmm. at two miles out. Mm-hmm. Well, shit, if you're, if you, you know, now if you, if you came, I mean, you, that would never happen. The, the, the sensors on those planes are so good. Mm. And the, uh, you know, the air, the air network of radar and sensors would have found those planes a long time ago. And now they, they call it the fire and forget scenario. So you would find the plane on a sensor and then you would shoot off a missile and then you would turn around and run. And, uh, that's the way that planes are designed. And that's the way that piece of shit JSF has been designed. Mm-hmm. So uh, there I guess was a- that in the news that they don't, their guns aren't working. doesn't really matter, <laughs> which is, what I well, which too, is stupid, right? Cause yeah, which is totally going to use those. I mean, maybe, a strafe a target of opportunity on your way back from firing some missiles if you're rolling well, low enough the joint strike fighter the f-35 i describe as a swiss army knife uh it's supposed to uh it's supposed to uh i guess um satisfy all of the uh different branches requirements be it the air force the navy or the marines and so part of the marines combat mission is close air support which means shooting at the ground and finding targets of opportunity and that kind of thing um so you have you, you know you'd want to put a gun on it of some kind because uh, typically that's what the navy does and same with the air force and like the uh, a-10s the warthogs which is just basically a gigantic gatling gun mm-hmm. with wings um and so the jsf supposed to supposed to uh fill in that really uh role yeah, I never realized. But that. the that thing is, stupid. they put a gun on it that can fire a three hundred and or thirty three hundred rounds a minute, but they only it can only hold one hundred and fifty rounds. So <laughs> so so it can only so hold, you have a gun. It can only hold one hundred and fifty rounds. I mean, these are one hundred and eighty. I'm sorry, these are those, these are those big rounds. They're like a couple inches in diameter, sort of things. Well, yeah, I mean, they're you know whatever whatever the standard. Air to air Gatling round is. Like, could they could uh, they do some under the wing gun thing or something like that? No, the problem with the JSF is it's uh, it's a stealth vehicle. Oh, it's got to all be enclosed. Oh, what a fucking yeah. disaster! So you, so, so you have to take every uh, hard point, which are the bomb racks and the the, the you know the the missile racks and the uh, pods and all that, and you have to put it inside. Uh, they got to put all the gas tanks inside too. They can't have any. Everything has to be inside. They must have external droppable low radar tanks. They put on those things. Yeah, right. Really, you yeah. can't do that. I mean, you got a whole plane. Uh, maybe you, couldn't you could. A, you couldn't. 
engineer a tank that would do that? Maybe you could, but the JSF doesn't have They can't even, that thing, they can't even fucking get off the ground right now. I guess once Uh, you got the whole plane designed, you probably don't want to fuck with its external. So I did the math, and the Gatling gun on the JSF can fire a total of three seconds before it's out of ammunition. (laughs) Well, how many rounds? How many rounds? Oh, by the way, they won't get the software working on it until 2019. So you can't even fire it for three seconds until 2019. How many rounds did the uh, that other one? The uh, what was it called? Oh, the Warthog. How much did the how many? I mean, how many seconds can the Warthog fire? Oh, like for fuck all. Uh, Well, they used to. I thought the whole idea of the Warthog is it was meant to go slow. It was meant to go. slow. Why do you need a supersonic? I mean, the Warthog wasn't supersonic, right? No, it was built specifically for uh, close air support yeah. and tank killing. Why do they even need and, it any longer? Aren't that what those super advanced helicopters are for? No, you need them because uh, they're fast hmm. and uh, they have that gun on them, which uses uh, depleted uranium rounds, which is turning uh, all those kids in southern Iraq into... Uh, you know, leukemia victims mm, and shit mm, and all that kind of horrible stuff because sure. you've just rained a bunch of depleted uranium out into the desert and that stuff radiates still. Oh, I'm sure it's, I'm sure uranium. It's and, and so. I've seen them loading. I've seen them loading jets and there's like radiation signs all over the fucking yeah, rounds. Well, there's oh, a picture. I remember it's not harmful to the people after we fire. I remember they're like loading them old... up. It's like danger oh, radiation yeah. when they're fucking loading those things. Like, give me a break. I have an old, uh, I have an old, I don't know, one of my old like combat aircraft picture books when I was a kid. And there's a picture of uh, people loading up the rounds into the A-10 and they're in, they're in uranium suits, like enclosed uranium suits because it's depleted uranium. <laughs> maybe it's better. That. Maybe this is, this is not your dad's depleted uranium. We really deplete the shit out of that uranium. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, they use it because it's it's it's. I guess it's hard as shit. Well, it's and denser it, than it, lead too, and hard. It's denser and it can penetrate armor. It's for penetrative and, rounds, basically. Yeah, it's for blowing tanks up. Yeah. So, anyway, but uh, effective weapon. But they're like, no, we're going to replace that with the JSF. Mm. Like, okay, look, you I know, mean, and uh, if you get into a superpower shooting war, do any of these jets even fucking matter? They're just about uh, less just about less. force projection pre-war. Well, like like I said, the F-14 only shot down for yeah. I mean, aircraft. they're just there to fly around. They're just there to harry small powers and project your dominance for you know geopolitical purposes. They're, they're not they're not be used in actual shooting wars. I mean, like real wars. Not like, yeah, and I mean not like <laughs> blowing some country that's in the. That's in the 15th century back to the 8th century. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't need all that shit. Yeah. I mean, it, it is impressive, yeah. but uh, sending over, like, you know, a B-2 into Afghanistan serves no point. They don't have a – and they don't have an air defense – they didn't have an air defense network. You might, you might as well you, just refer some of those flying fortresses and draw, fly them over. Oh, they did. Oh, yeah. They sent in those uh, B-52s, which were, I think, commissioned in 1955 <laughs> and have a decommissioned date of nineteen of two, 2045 uh, well, or 2045. Like, I mean, I, if anything, that is, that is exactly – that's exactly what the military should do, right? Oh, yeah. They reinvent well, these yeah. things. The only thing original on a B-52, I think, is its airframe. Yeah. I mean, you uh, replace the avionics. I mean, I guess – I mean – I guess that's the thing about why aren't they still flying Tomcats around? 
Tomcats have been, I think they've been usurped by upgrades to the F-18. Yeah. I, I, I don't know specifically why they don't use them anymore. They're big, they're big aircraft. Um, I think that, that they got better hardware now and it's just, well, plus really they, like, they like the low them. radar signature. That's a big thing. Uh, yeah, but the well, and that's the JSF allegedly uh, has. Yeah, you can't uh, the best. you can't uh, put, put some special paint on a flying fortress and go fly it anywhere you want. No, you can't <laughs> you do couldn't. that. There is cases. I know we were talking about uh, you know Maverick following in his father's footsteps. You know, uh, but there are documented cases of not cases, but situations where you have the grandson flying. A B fifty two that the grandfather flew back in the you know old uh, uh, era. What is it? The uh, when they were the old uh, Doctor Strange Love era. Mm. You know B fifty two. That's flight. funny. So that'd be that'd I know be crazy. It's, it's, it's going to be around for ninety years. Why not B fifty two? I mean, there's no point not to have it around. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the the whole JSF thing. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think uh, Top Gun would last about ten minutes. Using the JSFs because uh, I think that gay-looking fighter is going to make fighters. a comeback from Boeing. The what? Gay-looking fighter from Boeing is going to make a comeback. Say that again. The what fighter? The gay-looking fighter from Boeing. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, they called that the Monica because uh-huh. it had that gigantic air intake. Mm-hmm. It was an ugly plane. We've talked about it. It was an ugly. Yeah, plane. They really should have put some fangs on it or something. Oh, they should have just or a couple. Yeah, put it, some it, truck nuts on the back of it. I mean, you have to. You'd have to shape them so they wouldn't have a radar signature, but you could figure it out. It, it was about the unsexiest new plane that you would ever want to order <laughs> up, I tell you. It was not an attractive plane. Uh, uh, but it may have worked better. Well, so, you know, you always got to think you got to think ahead about selling these two various despotic governments in the future, like 40 years in the future. And they're not going to want to buy those things if they don't look good. Well, here's the thing. And this is the thing that I... I you know, I, I have a lot of bones to pick with uh, our current industrial, uh, military industrial complex. But when it comes to selling, you're selling generals military hardware. And you're selling not just the U.S. generals, but you're trying to sell them abroad and everything. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, it's like you got a, a guy with a midlife crisis showing up on the car lot. Mm-hmm. And you know what he needs. He needs that Dodge Caravan, you know, <laughs> over there in the corner. <laughs> That's what he really needs. Uh-huh. That's gonna that's gonna do it. That's gonna solve take, his problems. But he'll he'll buy a Porsche Cayenne instead. <laughs> well, or yeah, or you got oh you got oh, here's the new Challenger, sir. Oh. You know, look at this, and and <laughs> and and so you play up, you know, you, you question his manhood mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh man, this is real. This is a man's car right here, and you know, it's sexy and. Totally impractical and a piece of shit. But you're just like, look at that fucking thing, man. You can you can recapture your 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 youth. Uh, same thing with a bunch of generals buying military hardware. You put a turret out there. You put out the minivan. And you go, oh, this is meets all the requirements, sir. It's uh, really what you need. It's uh, you know, it's we rewrote it. We designed a spec. And then they'll look over there at like that red Corvette, and they're like, "Ah, fuck that! I'm gonna get that red Corvette. That thing's fucking awesome." <laughs> yeah, well, we don't have an engine in it yet. This, I don't care, man. What kind of engine do you think you're gonna put in? Ah, <laughs> oh, it's gonna be a badass, man. It's gonna be like a fucking V8. It's gonna just blow your, you know, 600 horsepower. It's gonna blow your fucking doors off. It's like, oh man, gotta have it. So where, where, so, where uh, is you buy the, the car? Pussy magnet. 
Yeah, it's a pussy magnet. So you buy the car and you overpay it, and then you have to wait like ten years to get the engine dropped in it. <laughs> and don't even it's start asking rolls. about the Gatling gun. Yeah, <laughs> the less we talk about that, the better. You know, we haven't put a we haven't put a Gatling gun into a, a production vehicle in about fifty years. I don't know why you need one. So anyway. All right, I've gone on long enough about the aerial uh, aerial combat and military hardware that I think I can uh, uh, bore our listeners with. So uh, next week, Mr. Hudson. Oh, next week we're going to visit another Tom Cruise movie. I think, did we mention it last week? Or we may have mentioned it off, did. off pod. But I remember enjoying it. I, th- I remember this being a rather striking movie visually, and I always liked Tim Curry's performance in... Uh, Ridley Scott's 1985 fantasy movie, Legend. I know, another Scott brother uh, directing Tom Cruise in the mid-80s. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, it too. just seemed fitting. You mentioned it, and I, I I always thought it was a... I was Visually, I was, was impressed by the film. I think it'd be fun yeah, to revisit. I, mean, I haven't I, seen I, it in a long time. Well, it gets totally dogged, so really? I, I guess that's one of the... Yeah, no, it has. Yeah, maybe it's, it's, maybe it's, we'll... It, uh, I, I remember enjoying it, but... Uh, it's been it's been a long time since I've seen it. Who's that? Mia Sarah. Mia Sarah. She's not looking as. Oh, she was in Ferris Bueller's Day back, Off. Right? That's right. She played. That's where yeah. I recognize her. Yeah, she gives a she she gives a new definition to low cut in that film. That uh... <laughs> low cut uh, dress or something. Yeah, low cut dress. So. Mm. <laughs> See, this was this was released in 1985, and she was born in 67. So yeah. she was 18 or, Ooh, or maybe yeah. 17. All right. Well, she I'll be watching out for that. <laughs> she, uh, yeah, she, I think she, she's, uh, I don't know. I, I just like to, I don't want to look at a picture of her now. I just kind of want to keep her in ice back in the eighties. Cause she, she didn't have the eighties hair. I think that was one of the attractions of Mia Sarah. Uh, she, even in Ferris Bueller, she didn't have the, 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 you know, the gonzo, uh, eighties hair. That uh, made her a little bit timeless, you know. I can't find a more recent picture of her. You know, actually, she looks pretty good. It's not bad looking. Yeah, no, no, she aged really check. well. Good, better than Kelly McGillis. Man, I, I don't see what your problem with <laughs> Kelly McGillis is, but that's okay. I mean, it's probably your haircut. She's sort of got the well, lady haircut. I think her. If she grew her hair out, if she grew more... her hair out a little bit and dyed it, I don't think you would have Maybe. any problem with her. I was not never, I was never a big fan. I never, I never was a big. Kelly she does seem a little fan. cold, a little bit. Yeah, she seems like she should be the prime minister of an Eastern Bloc country, a little bit, hmm. possibly. <laughs> All right, until next week. The uh, plaque for the alternates is down in the ladies' room. <laughs> oh Jesus! Oh, you kill me! You really do. <laughs>